Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. So what is Jesus saying to us here? Well, he's saying to us, the problem is not our eyes, it's not our hands, it's really our hearts. Here's what I want you to write. Don't take sexual sin lightly. Now the world laughs at that. Don't take it lightly. Deal with it drastically. Why? Our eternal destiny is at stake. In other words, God says you're going to have to have some spiritual surgery to avoid this immorality. From a secular perspective, the idea of moral absolutes have become increasingly laughable by society's current standards. This is especially the case when it comes to sexual immorality. Those of us who would take a stand for God's truth and represent it to others are seen more and more as outdated or uptight. In today's message with Pastor Mark, we dive deep into this topic and analyze our cultural state through the lens of Scripture. In our study, we learned that God's standards are still relevant to this day and just how important it is that we abide in God's word and design for marriage. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 28, with his continuing study entitled, Lust, Adultery, Divorce, and God. Lust is simply a desire for what is forbidden. It can include a lot of things, but of course, obviously, in this context, Jesus is talking about sexuality. So lust is simply the desire for that which is forbidden. Now, Satan is such a deceiver, and he's such an incredible liar. What he says to us, and especially to you young people, is, while God's approved, if you're going to be a Christian, there's no fun, there'll never be any fulfillment, God's against everything. No, he's not. God's the inventor of sex. You know, the little blue pill Viagra, made by Pfizer, they didn't invent sex, God did. You know, the Cialis Weekend, they didn't invent great weekends. God did. He's the inventor. So here's the definition. You don't need to write it down, but you've got to get it into your mind this morning because Satan is a liar. Look at this definition of sexuality. A healthy sexual desire is not sin. My friends, it was given by God. The hormones, the sexual parts, the drive, all of that is wonderful, given to us by God. For we were created by God to enjoy sexual pleasure. Here's the kicker. Within the boundaries of marriage. Now, I want you to see a passage of scripture. The Bible actually in many parts is X-rated. And that's why the fifth, fourth grade and whatever can't be in here this morning. And I want you to see on the overhead just a a picture of Solomon speaking sexually to us. 
about marriage and about a relationship with a husband and wife in bed. If you want more explicit, you can go to the book of Song of Solomon. And uh, those of you that are too young and not married, I don't want you to go to the book of Song of Solomon. But those of you that are old enough, you can go there. That ensures this week, everybody in this church will be reading Song of Solomon. (laughs) Got you to read the Bible. Hallelujah. Now, let's look what Solomon says. Drink water from your own well. Now, Solomon's not talking about bottled water. He's talking about a husband and a wife exchanging love, sexual fluids, all of the things. It's very intimate. Notice what he says. Drink water from your own well. Share your love only with your wife. Why spill the water? He's not talking about while you're making love, you knock the bottle of water over. He's talking about why spill the water of your springs in public. In other words, it's something you don't do openly. And you certainly don't have sex with just anyone, only your spouse. He goes on. You shouldn't reserve it for yourselves. You don't share it, the sexual act, sexual intercourse, with strangers. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. In other words... There should be joy in your marriage, including the sexuality. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. Not be said, you see the sign that says divorced and love it. That's wrong. God says enjoy your wife. Now look at the last one. X-rated, right to the heart of things. She is a loving doe, a graceful deer. Let her breasts satisfy you always. May you always be captivated. By her love. This is God writing. This is not Playboy Mansion. This is God. And what he's saying to us this morning is simply what you can see. God is into sex. But he prohibits adultery and sexual immorality. He designed us to enjoy it in the right venue. What's the problem? Well, the problem today is our sexual temptation, sexual permissiveness, sexual perversion are at an all-time high in our society. Everywhere we turn, we're faced with sexual temptation. What you're going to learn today from God, most of the world calls irrelevant, outdated, in fact, laughable. But God's standards never change. Now, why the prohibitions to sexual activity outside of marriage. Why isn't premarital sex fine? Why isn't as a fifth grader oral sex fine in school? So what? You just got to discover your sexuality. Why isn't it fine? For three reasons. Number one, to protect the home, the building block of society. See, the home is built on intimacy only between a husband and wife. Second, to allow our God-given sexual drive to find maximum fulfillment within marriage. God knew The disasters outside of marriage. You see, when we give ourselves to a person sexually, it's the most intimate thing we can do. The world just spreads it everywhere. You know the term, one night stand. Number three, to make sure that we find true success, fun, and fulfillment. You see, fun and fulfillment is not undressing somebody in the back of a car quickly and having something quick. Fulfillment is waiting until your marriage night and then undressing your wife and she undressing you and enjoying something special from God. If we don't do it God's way, we miss all that God designed for us. Now, Jesus says, don't, if you even look at a woman with lust, you've committed adultery. 
So is Jesus saying to us, don't be attractive. Don't look at attractive men and women. Make sure you get this very clear. No! Do you want to be... Do you want to, I, I don't want to look at a bunch of ugly people here. People that just cover themselves. You know, that's that church that wouldn't cover the cross, but they cover all their women and all that stuff, and they're the ugliest people in the whole town, Calvary Chapel. No. God wants us to be attractive. It's a good thing. He designed us to be attractive. I hope before you came, you took a shower. If not, probably people have left your area and they moved to other areas. We want to be attractive. That's the way God designed us. Not to be a bunch of... They're a Christian. How do you know? They're ugly as sin. That's a Christian. I know it is. <laughs> Ladies, if the house needs some painting, put it on. We need you to be attractive. Hallelujah. <laughs> Guys, there is more than one t-shirt in the closet. Find it. Your wife will help you put it on. So Jesus isn't saying, it's not the first look that's the problem. It's the second look. There's a second look often, especially for a guy, removes the personality of the individual, and that individual becomes an object of sexual parts. That's why God instructed us this way. Now, I'm going to write a statement. You don't need to write it down. Look what it says. Everyone knows the difference between looking and lusting. I don't have to say to you this morning, well, let me define lusting, and then let me define looking. Everyone in this room knows when you've crossed the line. Not one of you are unsure. Well, would you please explain? I don't have to explain a thing. You know what happens here, happens here, and happens here. And we've crossed the line. There's, there's no question to any of us, men or women, we know it. So Jesus says, don't go there. Don't go there. Well, what's the cure for lusting? How, how do we solve it? Well, Jesus is going to give us the cure. Now, you might not like the cure, but it is the cure. We begin in verse 29. If you're right, I... You've read ahead, haven't you? <laughs> if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw, throw it away. But I want you to see the seriousness of the next statement. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Whoa. Man, like, is this serious? This is very serious. Verse 30. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. This is God's cure? It is better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to go into hell. Let me ask you a question this morning. If we took Jesus' words literal, what would we look like? think about it, we wouldn't know what we look like. Well, if I get rid of my right eye, is there a problem with my left? Yeah, well, I get rid of my left. Can I see what anybody looks like? My arms are both gone. My legs are both gone. I'm a paraplegic city. But here's something else. Ponder this one. Can a blind man or woman lust? Well, sure. So see, it isn't to be taken literal. 
But the seriousness of it, Jesus uses this analogy. By the way, in the year second century, a believer named Origen struggled with lust so much so that he actually castrated himself. Did it solve the problem? No. So what is Jesus saying to us here? Well, he's saying to us the problem is not our eyes. It's not our hands. It's really our hearts. Here's what I want you to write. Don't take sexual sin lightly. Now the world laughs at that. Don't take it lightly. Deal with it drastically. Why? Our eternal destiny is at stake. In other words, God says you're going to have to have some spiritual surgery to avoid this immorality. That means you and I, all of us, are going to have to take it seriously. It's not something to be played around with lightly. In fact, Paul says this to us in Colossians. Notice what he says. Put to death, therefore. In other words, get rid of, do whatever you have to do, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Why? Because of these, same thing, the wrath of God is coming. So Jesus knew in those days, as today, people are simply treating sin lightly. Let's find a way around divorce. Let's find a way around adultery. We'll just redefine it. We'll do whatever. We have a problem. We don't call it sin. We have a whatever. It's okay. It's just a different age. It's okay. No, it isn't okay. And so what Jesus says is, don't flirt with it, don't nibble at it, don't laugh at it. He says, get rid of it. Why? Your destiny for eternity is at stake. If you don't solve the problem, hell is facing you. That puts it in a whole different light for all of us. So let me give you this morning seven keys to maintaining sexual purity. You've already heard that God isn't a prude. We'll go through those quickly. Number one. Stop and consider the consequences before you, and you can fill in the blank. There isn't a person in this room that doesn't understand that statement. Even in a non-sexual area, God told us in many things, don't do this, and we went, no, I'm just going to do it anyway. And now we're suffering the consequences for it. So David, on the night that he was out on his porch, saw Bathsheba bathing naked. If he could have looked ahead one year and saw what happened in his life because of that adultery, he'd have run back into the castle. So this morning, stop before you engage in any of this and consider the consequences. Well, what are some of the consequences? Let me list you four this morning. First one, I won't read it, but HIV now in the United States has passed one million people. It's everywhere. It's not getting better, it's getting worse. And of course it started, as you can see through here, with the homosexuals, but now the heterosexuals with it, the drug addicts are with it. Three quarters of the Americans with HIV are men. 25% of the people with HIV in the United States don't even know they have it. So I go to bed with somebody. I have oral sex with somebody. I have no idea, they don't know. I get HIV. If I could turn the clock back, would I? For sure. Interesting, last night in, after the service, uh, one of the nurses from the area came up to me and she said, 
you won't believe this, but I've just updated on HIV in one of our educational units. And she said, now, especially in Florida, we have 50, 60, and 70-year-olds getting AIDS like crazy, HIV. I said, what? Well, there's some spreaders out there. And the guys are just mating with women who have lost their husbands or whatever. And it's rampant. What? 50, 60, 70-year-olds. Number two. The second thing is for mostly teenage girls this morning. Chlamydia. If you knew before you practiced oral sex or intercourse that you would get chlamydia, would you do it? Well, it's the most prevalent sexually transmitted STD among teenagers. 75% of cases, women's under 25. What's it do? Affects all your organs. The vaginal tract, the ovaries, the whole deal. Often never get rid of it. Pass it along to others. If you knew that incident would cause it, Ahead of time, would you do it? Not in a million years. Number three. This is a picture of a 10-week-old aborted baby. Look at the feet. This baby's real. This baby was a real person at 10 weeks. You see, in all of those things, we look back and say, if only... That's what God's trying to say to us this morning, to you and me. We've all been there. We've all said, no, I'm going ahead anyway. And we just go right ahead. Not in sexuality. It can be any area. And then we have to deal with the consequences. And the last may not seem much to you, but it's devastating. I'll talk more about it the next time I teach. Satan is destroying the home. What destroyed the home? All kinds of things, but there'll be some kind of an emotional affair in there or a sexual thing. And because of that, the home is ripped apart. As I said to you, in the church, the divorce rate's the same as the world. My friends, it needs to stop, and it needs to stop today. How can that be? You and I have to stop it. You know what the world says to us today? All these ridiculous studies. Well, the kids from divorced homes, they're not really impacted. That's a lie from the very pit of hell. How could you not be? So think about the consequences. That's for you, and that's for me. No condemnation. We live in a real world, but God wants to help us. Now, someone has said this. Love is a marathon runner. Lust runs the 10-yard dash. Number two, seven keys. Number two, know God's word and obey it. In the Garden of Eden... Satan convinced Eve that it was more profitable to disobey God than to obey God. You see, Satan lies to us and he says, well, this little fantasy is just in your mind. It's no big deal. This little thing in the web is no big deal. This magazine you're looking at, this romance novel, it, it, it's, it's no big deal. It's just, you know, it's just, it's getting your emotions up. It is a big deal. And what Satan says to us is a lie, but God says to us, mm -mm. you know, watch the fantasy, watch your mind, watch their eyes. What are you going into? So much so in Thessalonians, he says this, God wants you to be holy, so keep clear of all sexual sin. Then each of you will control your body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passions as the pagans do in their ignorance of God and their ways. So God wants us to avoid... Sexual immorality, including premarital sex, and look to control 
the wonderful God-given sex drives that we have, God's ways. What does it mean? What did Jesus mean by gouging out my eye and my foot? Listen, if your eye causes you to sin, don't take a second look. If your foot causes you to sin, don't go there. If your hand causes you to sin, don't touch. If your remote causes you to sin, cancel the movie channels. Block MTV and any others. Guys, you can't sit there and watch the latest lingerie thing and go, wow, just, you know, Pastor Mark, I, I don't have any problem watching a, a Victoria and, and her girls because I'm trying to find the right one for my wife. <laughs> I'm not stupid. <laughs> Let me just say something to you. MTV is pornographic. You shouldn't be ever watching it. If you have HBO, Cinemax, all that garbage, once in a while there might be a good program on there, but they're so few and far between, it's pornographic. Get rid of it. You say, man, that's legalistic. No, that's just wise. If you're watching as the stomach turns, <laughs> you say, well, it's kind of interesting. No, the same story's been going on for 24 years and nothing changed. It's all about one thing, adultery and affairs. Turn it off. You can't watch Desperate Housewives. You say, well, Pastor Mark, there's not much left on my TV. Hmm? You got it. Many of you listen to radio. Many of our radio stations are totally pornographic. The songs are from the pit of hell. You say, you're pretty strong. Well, if God says, I better be careful because of my soul, we need to be pretty strong. Last, if your internet provider causes you to sin, get a porn blocker. Talk to your husband and wife. You see, many women now are hooked to pornography. Many women make the chat rooms go. What are they looking for? Someone to talk to. Number three, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, just a few verses, a few books back from Matthew. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Here's number three. If married, have a vibrant, loving, regular sex life with your spouse. Vibrant, loving, regular. You see, God designed us as individuals to find sexual satisfaction, that orgasm, and all the other stuff that goes with it, not just the physical part, within one place, marriage and our spouse. But Satan tries to destroy that with lots of things. So Paul had to write to the church. Look at 1 Corinthians 7, verse 2. But since there's so much immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. Today in our study of the Gospel of Matthew with Pastor Mark, we addressed an important issue that the world finds irrelevant, adultery and lust. In our message, Pastor Mark helped us to better understand the sincerity of God's heart when it comes to His design and intent for marriage. With this sincerity in mind, we learn the importance of not taking God's Word and our sin lightly. Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. 
At the Facebook page and Twitter feed, we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles, and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne Facebook page and Twitter feed, or simply search for Calvary CCM on Facebook or Twitter. We even have a specific Facebook page for the Vieira campus. Simply search for Calvary CCM and you'll see the Vieira Campus Facebook page in the search results. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Again, our web address is LessonsForLivingRadio.com. The Bible often refers to the heart with the analogy of soil and seed. Depending on what types of seeds are sown, we either bear good fruit or bad fruit. In our next message, Pastor Mark uses this analogy to warn us how seeds of lust and adultery can be planted in our heart. In our study, we'll learn that rather than an immediate 180-degree turn to decide to commit adultery, it often starts with that small seed that's nurtured over time. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the Gospel of Matthew. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurry.